0: Miracy.
1: Typically, if someone's disappointed with their summit results, that's the issue. They haven't found the speakers who wanted to collaborate with them on the event that was the right fit audience for your offers off the back end.
0: Hello, and welcome to Blowing Up, the podcast that shows entrepreneurs like you how other businesses exploded in the best possible way, of course. I'm Linda-Claire Puig, the founder and CEO of Six Figure Newsletters, and I'm here with my co-host, Ari Eni, the head of strategy for the ACES Business Acceleration Program at Miracy. Hey there, Linda. In each episode of Blowing Up, we showcase an entrepreneur whose business, yes, blew up, It experienced what seemed to be a sudden success, but as we all know, that kind of success is not random or a fluke. The company employed a specific strategy that caused its rapid rise in revenue. So today we're gonna dive into that strategy so that you can learn from it and determine how you might apply elements of it to your business. In this episode, we study one of the very best audience building activities available, the Virtual Speaker Summit. Not only do summits build your list, but they go a long way to growing your authority, your impact, and your revenue. Our guest is Liam Austin, who has launched more than 15 virtual summits of his own, hosting more than 400 speakers while educating 100,000-plus business owners through his own programs. And with all this experience, he's a specialist at making it easy for people to create their own summits. So he is an Aussie. Liam joined us from Malta, where he lives most of the year with his life and business partner, Sarah. Welcome to Liam.
1: Now let's jump right into the conversation. So much uh, fantastic for growing an email list, building your authority, whether you're starting from zero with no email list or expertise or authority in your niche at all as an unknown. Is that where you were? Yeah, that's where we were right at the very beginning. And we had over 15,000 people register to attend that event, which meant we built our email list of prospects by 15,000 people from that very first event, which just really announced us onto the stage, onto the world, and allowed us to generate revenue that allowed us to build this business and grow it from there.
0: Truly a blowing up experience. Wow. Zero to 15,000. Nice. All right. So first of all, what was your business that you were starting? Because I don't think you started out with the intention of teaching people how to do summits. So,
1: what was it or what is it? You're exactly right. We didn't start with any real plan in mind apart from the fact that I had a LinkedIn group that had grown to about 90,000 members at that mm-hmm. point in time. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I just surveyed them and asked them, what do you guys want? Why are you guys here? <laughs> like, what do you need? Yeah, what do you need? What are you struggling with? And essentially, because it was a LinkedIn group, they suggested that, well, we've joined this group to network with other small business owners. We want to do deals. We want to find new clients. So we ran our very first summit by bringing in LinkedIn experts that were prospecting on LinkedIn successfully to generate clients. And we had them teach that audience how to do that. I think it was three and a half years of running events, just asking our audience, okay, like, hey, what do you want to learn next? So the one we did after LinkedIn was email marketing. So then we ran the Email Success Summit, and that was our second summit, which had 13,000 people registered to attend that one.
0: Mm-hmm. It sounds like your topics were very, very narrow and niched. Is
1: that sort of a secret that you want to reveal here? Yeah, looking back, they could have been even more niched. We covered everything from like how do you build your email list? How do you nurture your email list? How do you build funnels with your email list? What tech to use with your email list? There were so many topics being covered on email when it could have just covered list building or nurturing. We've already learned
0: that you went from zero to 15,000 in your database of potential clients from
1: a what, three-day or five-day summit? Which was it? I think that very first one was a five-day event, but we've run everything from like a half day to a one day, all the way up to a 10-day event. That second event that I just mentioned, the Email Success Summit, that was a 10-day event and I, I wouldn't recommend it.
2: <laughs>
1: okay, <laughs> Definitely some learning experiences there. Five is the max. Is that what you're saying? The structure of the summit can vary depending on the outcome, the goal, the experience that you want your leads to have. And the way that we structured it across those 10 days, it didn't work so well. So when you all were starting out and you did that zero to 15,000 jump,
0: first of all, were you expecting that? And second of all, what did you think, feel,
1: experience when you did hit it? Oh, wow. All the feelings are coming back through the body as you're talking through that. This is really personal like I met my partner Sarah in Sydney Australia she's Swedish and her student visa in Australia was running out she was going to have to return home and we're thinking well how are we going to make this relationship work am I going to move to Sweden I don't even speak Swedish how would I get a job and vice versa if she was going to stay here and so we knew we needed to generate an online revenue stream for ourselves mm-hmm. So this summit was crucial to make work right and so we put our heart and soul, literally, into this event. We started preparing for it in early October. It was to launch in early December. So we didn't give ourselves as much time as we now recommend people. Typically, we say 90 days to prepare one of these events to maximize the return on investment. Mm-hmm. Our goal was like if we could make somewhere between I think five to ten thousand dollars from it, we were gonna be really happy. It was like, okay, we've made some revenue online now. Maybe we could do this every month. It would be enough for us. In the end, it generated fifty thousand US dollars. Nice from that two-month period, which was Mm -hmm. super cool for us. And this is just on the front end with sales of the tickets to the event. Recordings and Yeah, exactly. So there was no other offer that we had. And you were saying that's not how you would do it now. So how would you do it now? The number one thing that we teach our clients now is to have either an online course or a high ticket offer to sell off the back of the event to really monetize and maximize the profits from the event. That's really where the income is going to come from. And to give you an example, that first event, we made 50K just on the ticket sales. If we had an offer off the back end, we would have easily hit multiple six figures in revenue from that event. So that's how important that is. Right. Big difference. Yeah, very big difference. The greatest feeling was that just all the audience was loving what we were doing or getting lots of testimonials, all this goodwill and all the doors and opportunities that opened for us post the event. We had speakers, partners, sponsors, affiliates wanting to do business with us, to work with us more. So we started promoting some of the speakers and we're generating revenue that way as well. You're really pointing out the two
0: huge groups of people that you connect with from a summit. Number one is the people joining the summit, participating, viewing, right? They've signed up to come view the summit and they are your audience. They are now part of your email list. Just as, if not even potentially more important, is this group of
1: potential collaborators, JV partners. It's a collaboration event. You hit the nail on the head there. Like These are contributors. They're collaborating with you. You're supporting them, but they're supporting you. I certainly believe in rising tide lifts all boats. And so Mm -hmm. you want to build a relationship with them. It's the start of hopefully a really long-term fruitful relationship for you both.
0: I think it's personally beautiful. I consider collaboration a form of currency, both emotional and
1: tangible. (laughs) It's something that just makes business more fun, life more fun. You grow deep relationships with each other and you're successful together.
3: I'm sure people are concerned about being able to attract the experts that will actually be willing to be on their summit if they don't have anything to give yet. What do they need to have in order for this to make sense?
1: Starting from scratch, the summit model works really, really well because you don't need a list. You don't need a network of experts to invite to speak. You can reach out to them from scratch with no relationship. You don't need any authority or expertise. If you want to launch yourself into a new market, a new niche, a completely new industry where nobody knows you, you don't have any connections, this is the perfect way to launch into a market because it gives you all of that. You're inviting all the experts to come speak at your events. So you're building relationships with some of the top performers in your market, in your niche, which will serve you long-term, right? This is just the beginning of that relationship you're gaining knowledge from them as well, right? About the market, about the industry, you can ask the questions that you want to learn about. So it can be just valuable for you as the host, even if you don't make any money from it at all. Why would somebody say yes to being on a summit
0: of someone that has currently no standing, no reputation in the industry?
1: There are some cues here that we want to position ourselves. This event is going to be worthwhile. So this is the amount of exposure that we should be able to achieve for you at this event. So it might be like we're expecting 2,000 people to attend or 5,000 or 10,000. And then it's like, well, okay, you're saying this, but you're brand new to the industry. How are you doing this? Well, now you need to lay out, well, these are the ways that we're going to be doing that. Maybe we've got a sponsor that's agreed to come on board and sponsor this event and they're paying 2,000, 5,000, we've had sponsors pay over $10,000 to sponsor just one of our summits in the past. So you can then say, well, I've got this amount of money to now spend on paid advertising. On exposure, right. Right. Now, ideally, you want to have a landing page up and ready when you start inviting the speakers Mm -hmm. just so they can see that, okay, wow, this is actually happening There's the name of the event, there's the dates, there's a sign-up page. Great. So this thing's actually happening. So there's somebody behind it who... Like who's serious. Who knows what
0: they're doing, who's going to pull it off in a professional way.
1: Yeah. Yes. The person who wants to partner with you on this event can see that it's a credible event. And ideally, you would have one, two, three speakers that have already said yes prior to inviting the rest of the speakers onto the event Mm -hmm. so they can see, oh, wow, they've already got some speakers and I know that person. Yeah, I want to be associated with that person. They're more likely to say yes. I'll just run through them again. We're expecting this amount of people to sign up. This is how we're going to get that exposure for you. The event page is already up. Go check out the link here. There's already some speakers that have agreed. And we're looking to finalize the list in the next few days, right? Give them some kind of urgency deadline so that they're coming back and saying yes. There's something that I teach my students, and I'd like your
0: thoughts on this. When you are making these kinds of requests, especially at the beginning, when you don't necessarily have an established position in the industry, you come to it as a peer, not as little old me asking the big old you, you know, you really need to come to it as I've got something of value too. My value is creating this container for you, Mr. or Mrs. Speaker to come and share and get exposure. So I
1: really feel like that's an important element. What are your thoughts? 100%. If you're being featured as a speaker at an event, your authority lifts. Like, I've just been invited to be a speaker at an event. Now I can feature that on my website, on maybe my about page. Other people are featuring me as an expert, as a speaker at their event. Awesome. Alongside these other experts. Fantastic. This is how you rapidly grow your authority. It does so many other things that we've talked about. Like it gives you those relationships. It gives you leads. It gives you revenue. How many people do you want on a summit? Like, is there a minimum
3: of, yeah, you want at least this many people so there are enough points of view? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, great question. We've tested this a lot. Personally, I've hosted over 15 multi-day summits and we've helped clients generate hundreds of these summits for themselves as well. So we've tested a lot from a half-day summit all the way through to a 10-day event from just a couple of speakers all the way up to 40 plus speakers. It really depends on your market, your industry, what style of event you want to do, especially for your first event. The ideal numbers are anywhere between three to five days, around 20 plus speakers. So 21, 22, 23, somewhere along there would be the ideal. If you're looking at trying to get 20 speakers into your event, maybe you'd send out 20 invites and then within four days, you should have at least 10 people to say yes. Then you're sending out your next block of 20 invites. You do that every like three, four days until you hit the quota that you ultimately want for your event. And that seems to work quite well. How many follow-ups? Yeah, if you're not following up with your speakers, you're missing out because people think, well, if this person's new, are they serious? Oh, I just got one invite and yeah, I'm going to ignore that one. And if they follow up two, three, four times, say, wow, this person's serious. They really want me on their event. Like, I feel special. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm in. Like, since you followed me up so many times, you are so determined. Like, yeah, I'll support you with this. I have a yes, no question.
0: The first summit that I did was called On the Road and Making Money, and it was with people who were already traveling with their business. But it was many years ago. And so back then, we did all audio interviews. I'm assuming, and this is your yes or no, that today we want to do video
1: summits always.
0: Yes or no?
1: Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. From video, we can export the audio, we can export the transcript or the text. You can then go and create images from that. You can create shorter video clips for YouTube, TikTok. You can go and create quotable images from the text, right? If you're recording video, you can just create all the other forms of content based on how people like to consume. Because maybe some people would prefer, hey, I'd prefer to learn in audio. Great. No worries. Here's all the audio. I can imagine that one of the big mistakes that people
0: make, maybe with their first one, is in not inviting people with the same audience as you're intending to create. You might get excited. Oh, so-and-so is going to come speak or this person said yes, but they're not really going to have the audience that you're wanting
1: to get in front of. It's actually the wrong fit. So crucial. Yeah, typically if someone's disappointed with their summit results, that's the issue. They haven't found the speakers who wanted to collaborate with them on the event that was the right fit audience for your offers off the back end.
0: Is there one place where people tend to get stuck in carrying this
1: out? So maybe people are just like, well, do I feel like I'm worthy to be inviting these people? You know, if you never ask, you never know. That's a quote I use quite a lot in my life. You know, if you don't do it, you don't try, you'll never know. So let's talk. I loved Liam's story
0: of jumpstarting his business with a summit. And I have to tell you, his experience isn't unique. I've seen it happen for plenty of entrepreneurs. And a few years back, when I began a second division of my business, a summit is what I turned to as well. So I know it works. Here is a quickie summary of the key initial steps involved in hosting your own summit. Step one, design your three to five day event, 20 to 40 speakers. Choose your end of summit offer. Step two, put up an event webpage. Step three, make a List of potential speakers who serve a similar audience to you. Very key there. Step four, invite A list speakers. Make it very easy for them to say yes. Step five, after you have one or two A listers, invite your remaining speakers. Step six, prepare and deliver your event. And be sure to write emails for your speakers to send. big thanks again to Liam. Be sure to download Liam's gift to you, his virtual summit masterclass training titled how I generated $50,000 from my first virtual summit without an email list or influencer network in just 90 days. You can get immediate free access to it at blowingup.rocks forward slash Liam. That's blowingup.rocks forward slash Liam. L-I-A-M.
3: This episode of Blowing Up was produced by Linda Claire Puig. Cynthia Lam is our managing producer and Danny Eney, our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. To make sure you catch all the really great episodes of Blowing Up, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a starred review or share the show with a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: I'm willing to admit what I don't know. I tend to hold my truths lightly. I try not to have you know, very firm convictions because I recognize that when you move up an organization, your information is limited because you have a greater breadth of responsibility.
2: I'm Sharon Richmond. I'm an executive coach and consultant with more than 30 years' experience working with C-level executives. To Lead as Human is the podcast for you if you want to supercharge your leadership by bringing all of yourself into your role. Listen as our guests reveal their hard-won lessons and share their deep humanity.
0: I think the turning point for me was when I realized that I want people to tell me what they think, and they're afraid. They were Honest to God, afraid to tell me things.
2: It's like, I checked all the damn boxes, but I am so alone. And I'm so unhappy. I'm burning myself out. And when I started looking at, like, you know, my fears, going into the shadows, sharing it with others, the very thing that would be a nightmare for most people in the workplace is the very thing that led me to my dreams. My guests know that the influence they have as top leaders comes with an equal measure of responsibility for all their stakeholders. They not only deliver great results for their customers and investors, they do so by building organizations that provide purpose, meaning, and a healthy work environment for their employees.
0: One of the hallmarks of good leadership is clarity. If there isn't clarity around the goals, that creates confusion, that that creates chaos. What's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve? And that makes people's jobs more purposeful. And people are clearly enjoying that. People who are making their own decisions, they're significantly more motivated in doing what they're doing.
1: You know, I've really seen the maturity and growth of those individuals. And I think that we've now kind of really been able to create a lot of autonomy and give people a lot of freedom to do their best work. So not rocket science, nothing too crazy, but uh, you know, that was definitely a journey.
2: I hope you'll join us every other week as we talk with these inspiring leaders and learn from the very human challenges and successes they've experienced on their own leadership journeys. And you asked
3: me questions that
2: I was like, gosh, I'm
3: not sure I know what my values are. So I know they're there, but I'm not sure that they're articulated. So thanks for asking me those questions. They were hard.